0: Yeah. Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. Hi, good morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sarah Tunnell. It's actually really weird not being able to see your faces. I'm used to preaching in Presbyterian churches. They don't do this. Um... So, it is good to be here. My name is Sarah Tunnell. I am not a member of Compass. So, when Chris said, if you're not a member, you can still be involved. A-O. But a little bit about me in case you don't know who I am. So, I've been attending Compass since probably November and ended up here because of the Halloween party. So, I uh, am a foster mom of, at that time, one, now two little girls. And I brought my... uh, two-year-old at the time, to the party. And I had heard of Compass. I had been kind of in this season of like, I kind of want to check out other churches. And um, we came to the Halloween party. It was like, this place is cool. They love families with foster kids. My kid can run around and be a nutball. And no one cares. And so we started coming. And it's actually been a beautiful picture of a place to connect and a place to be able to let my kids be who they are and find community who understands that. Um, And that's not normal, just wanna be real on that. As a foster parent, that's not normal, that's hard. And so thank you for being a place that loves my kids and loves me in that. So a little bit other about me, um, I grew up out west in a Portland area And moved to Illinois almost nine years ago, which is insane. I moved here because I graduated grad school and came to Second Pres as an associate pastor. God has a funny sense of humor. I have tried to get out of Illinois for nine years, and He continues to keep me here through a variety of different things from working in churches to the YMCA to now I work for the Alzheimer's Association in the development team. And so just a variety of different ministries in a different way. However, my story has been messy. My story has been painful. There's lots of things that throughout my life I've been like, I'm out of here. God, see you later. And He continuously has called me to ministry. And so I'm grateful to be able to share today, to be part of this series on feelings, which is something that I've had to learn and had to grow in, especially over the last six years, of being able to name my feelings and being able to talk about those feelings in a way that makes sense so that. I'm not a hot mess, and I could end up being a place that is stable for two kids who needed it. So as we come into this message today, I invite you to pray with me. God, thank you for today. Thank you for the opportunity to gather in community, to gather as people who are known by you and know you. We pray that you give us ears that are open to hearing your word. We pray that you give us hearts that can comprehend. We pray that you give us minds that can process and put into action. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we've been talking about feelings, right? From the songs, what do you think our feeling today is? Take a guess. Not peace. What was that? Fear. I heard someone here. Anxiety, fear, absolutely. So last week, Chris preached on insecurity. And as a woman, insecurity and fear are actually pretty entwined for me. I have a lot of fear that I'm not good enough, a lot of fear that what I'm doing isn't good enough for somebody else. And so I've had to take some time this week to kind of differentiate fear and insecurity. And as I've done that, I came up with some uh, interesting pictures of maybe different types of fear that help me understand what fear is versus what insecurity is. So first is the fear is arachnophobia, which is the fear of spiders. There you go. Or I can't pronounce this one. Ophidiophobia, which is the fear of snakes. Yeah. Are you showing the picture before? Are, you, are we cheating, Calvin? <laughs> is that what's happening? Okay. Um, how about acrophobia? The fear of heights. Yeah. Claustrophobia, fear of tight spaces. Yeah. Synophobia. Sinophobia. The fear of? Not sin. Fear of? Dogs. There's Jackson. He's my first child. Can't be afraid of him, even though he's 110 pounds of pure Black Lab love. Or, my biggest fear, (laughs) Ursula-phobia. The fear of Ursula. Scariest Disney villain there is. I won't go see the new... Little Mermaid movie, because I'm terrified of Ursula, still to this day. So fear often comes from an external factor, whereas insecurity comes from that internal feeling and motivation. Fear comes from something either real or perceived outside of us. Spiders, snakes, heights, tight spaces, that Ursula's going to come into my house and kidnap my children and turn them into eels. I don't know. But there's actually a difference between healthy fear and paralyzing fear. Healthy fear keeps us safe. It creates boundaries, and it establishes discipline. We ask kids not to tip their chairs back for the fear that they're going to fall over and hit their head. We use words like, be careful, please. Make good choices. But paralyzing fear... Keeps us from experiencing what God has for us. Fear that somebody is going to come into my house, and so I must lock all my doors and never let other people in. Fear that I'm going to lose everything I had, and so I gather as much as I possibly can, and I don't think about generosity for others. Fear can keep us safe, But fear can keep us frozen as well. Scripture says a lot about fear, actually. Depending on the translation of the Bible, they say that do not fear is in Scripture over 365 times. That means that God commands us to not fear at least one time a day. 365. We know for one thing that it is the most talked about human emotion in Scripture. And it is talked about in a way that discourages allowing fear to rule your life. Fear can rule our life, anxiety can rule our life. We can be a people who are so scared that we don't do anything. And yet, Scripture makes it clear that that is not God's plan for our life. And that is the reality of our passage today. So our passage today comes right after the story that Chris talked about last week, which is the story that Jesus took the loaves and the fishes, and he split them up, and he fed them to all the people, and there was more than enough for everyone to eat. Even though the insecurity of the uh, disciples had said, we can't do it they got to get out of here because we don't have enough. And yet Jesus says, I am enough. In your insecurity, I am able. Bring it to me. And immediately after that, Jesus puts the disciples on a boat. And he says, go across to the other side. So we pick it up in Matthew 14, 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on to ahead of him to the other side. While he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was alone there, and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So Jesus does this miraculous work, and then he says, hey, I need some time alone. I'm going to go up to a mountain. You guys get out of here, kind of like Chris just did to the kids. Get. And as they get in the boat, a very familiar place for most of them, because many of Jesus' disciples had been fishermen, they get in a boat and they take off, leaving Jesus on the shore with the crowds that are dispersing. And Jesus goes up to a mountain and spends some time alone. Must be nice. Goes up and spends some time alone. And the disciples are in their boat, their familiar place, their place of security, their place that feels like home to so many of them, and a storm rises up. So let's talk about that boat for a second. First of all, the boat's not a bad thing. The boat is a vessel that gets the disciples from one side to the other of the Sea of Galilee. It's a fishing boat, most likely, which was a familiar place for many of the disciples. It's meant to be on the water and is a pretty safe way to go from A to B. Storms arose frequently on the Sea of Galilee that they were going across. Due to its low-lying position and the hills around it, the winds would come out of the east and sweep down over the sea, and waves would rise up in a heartbeat. A boat was a predictable, reliable, safe thing to be on in the choppy, uncertain seas. What are those places in your life that are your boat? What's your place of security that takes you through the seas of life? What's your boat? So, step one of really understanding this story is we need to be able to name our boat. It might be a relationship, a job, a house. It might be your family, either extended or immediate. It might be your own abilities or giftings. It might be finances, possessions, tangible items that make you feel safe. It could even be a framework or a concept you've built about your life, about the world. Our boat is the vessel that we ride through life in the sea. What's your boat? For me, when I, a year ago at this time, I was on the verge of being 35, single, no kids. My boat was the security of a job, a dog, and a house, and the freedom to do whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. It was safe. It was easy. I knew it. I understood it. It had been the reality of my life for a while. It was my boat. What's your boat? When we think of fear as a primary human emotion, and one that God speaks of us being freed from 365 times in Scripture. First, we need to name our boat. Name the thing that we use to keep us safe and fend away fear. What's your boat? We're going to go on to Matthew 14, 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Why did the disciples think that Jesus was a ghost? Well, first, people don't go walking on water. That's not something that happens. Second, it was before dawn. And all they could see was an outline. And so what they see coming toward them is the outline of a person. And since people don't walk on water, it must be a ghost. But Jesus responds by identifying himself. He holds courage for the disciples by identifying who he is. He doesn't yell, get it together, guys, it's me. Or buck up, buttercup. He says, take courage. It is I. I am who I am. God self-identifies throughout scripture so that people who know him know that it is him. Burning bush. God says, it is I. I am who I am. Throughout scripture, God continuously says, Hey, it's me. You're okay. And in this moment, when the disciples are terrified and freaked out, Jesus says, Guys, it's me. You're okay. Peter, in all his Peterness, verse 28 goes on, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, Jesus says. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. At Jesus' command, Peter is able to walk on water. Peter has courage. Why? Because Jesus is there. He heeds Jesus' words to take courage. He embodies Jesus' self-acknowledgement of who he is. And out of Jesus being who Jesus is, the son of God, Peter is able to step out of the boat. Peter steps out of the place he is most comfortable that has been his lifeline. And he steps completely into the unknown waters that are thrashing around him. First, we name our boat, and then to truly overcome fear, to truly face the reality of the world around us, we are called to step out of our boat. When we think of fear as a primary human emotion and one that God speaks to of being freed from, first we name that boat, and then we step out of that boat. Step out of the security that protects us from encountering the messed up, scary, battering winds. Step out of the boat and step out onto the waters that are not calm. It isn't collected. It isn't okay. It's full of fear, anxiety, insecurity, angst, anger, resentment, love, kindness, new experiences, new opportunities, new peace. Stepping out of the boat into uncertain waters, yeah, it can bring fear. It can also bring new life. Peter steps out of the boat and chances everything. He leaves everything behind. Is God calling you to step out of your boat? To step into the fear To step into the uncertainty, the unknown, the insecurity. What's your boat? Step out. But when Peter saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. I think that those words are so interesting. Peter saw the wind. We often say we can't see the wind, we can only hear it. But there's something about the environment of stepping out of his comfort zone, stepping out of his place of security, that Peter experiences life differently. He sees the wind and he freaks out because that's not what's supposed to happen. And as he freaks out, he begins to sink. And he cries out to the one thing he knows can help, Jesus. John Ortberg, in his book, if you want to walk on water, you have to get out of the boat. It's a great book if you haven't read it. John Ortberg's a great reformed theologian as well. And Ortberg writes, the boat is safe, secure, and comfortable. On the other hand, the water is rough. The waves are high. The wind is strong. There's a storm out there, and if you get out of the boat, whatever your boat might be, there is a good chance you might sink. And yet, we're called to step out of the boat, to step out of our own security into Jesus's security. When Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to sink, verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, Jesus said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed in the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped Jesus, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Jesus reaches out and pulls Peter in. Immediately, no hesitation, no concern. Come on, go to the next slide. When we name our boat, when we step out of our boat, we see who Jesus truly is. We see that he is the one who will rescue us, who brings calm to the waters, who brings peace to situations of uncertainty, who brings peace and courage in the face of fear. When we're in our boat, just riding along, hanging out, all is good in my little world, we know who we are. And we do it on our own but by stepping out into the uncertainty, into our fear, into our anxiety, into those waters that are pushing around, we see who Jesus truly is and realize that we're not alone. A year ago, I was on the edge of 35, single, dog, house, stable, things were all right. My boat was fine. But I was bored and I was lonely. And there was no end in sight of that. And so I stepped out of the boat. And I decided to start the journey for foster care. And when people ask me why I foster, I'll often say, well, when I started, the, it's always something I've thought about doing. And then when I started, it, I thought, oh, I have the capacity right now. I didn't have the capacity. (laughs) Ain't nobody got the capacity for this. And yet, over the last year, I've realized who Jesus is. Because every time that I've started to drown, because I've been overcome by the fear of the waves around me, whether that's financially, there's been moments that those waves have been huge, whether it's a child who's really struggling, and I feel slightly in danger. Whether it's a kid who just had a really rough night, and I'm exhausted. In those moments, in those seasons, in those days, in those weeks, the hand of Jesus has pulled me out of the water, relieved me from fear, and brought a peace through community that surpasses all understanding. Only because I stepped out of the boat. The reality is, fear defines our reality, both inside and outside our comfort zone. Fear is part of life. There's a reason that it's the most talked about emotion in Scripture it's part of life. We're going to be afraid. And there are healthy types, right? Those fears that keep us from touching the hot stove. But there are fears that paralyze us and keep us in our own little communities, our own little worlds, keep us from experiencing who God truly is. Fear defines our reality, both inside and outside our comfort zone. But knowing Jesus, knowing who he truly is, allows us to embrace our fear and get out of the boat anyway. Because fear will be part of your life. And yet, we are called to walk on water, to do miraculous things with Jesus, the one who is present, the one who will reach out his hand and pull you up. The one who says, peace, be still. When we stay in our boat, we don't experience God's goodness, his mercy, and love in ways that can transform our lives. But when we step out, when we step into the uncertainty of life, we get to speak truth, hear love, Do justice, be an agent of mercy, and encounter God's grace and love and courage and peace in a whole new way. Will you join me? Will you step out of your boat? Jesus, thank you that you are a God who calls us to not stay in our space of comfort, in our space that is so familiar but that you call us to embrace fear and to know you on a deep level because you are peace. You are love. You are a God who transcends all understanding and gives us courage in the face of our fear. Lord, I pray for everybody gathered here today that as they name their boat, that you give courage to step out and to walk on water with you as they know you more, that they embrace fear, that we all together empower one another to be people who embrace the fear that defines our reality and know you deeper, allowing you to embrace us in our fear and get us out of our boat anyway. We love you, and we praise you, and we give you all the glory. And all God's children said. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.